This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The well-oiled machine of the GM Shuffle is back. It's Adnan Verka, Michael Lombardi. we got so much to talk about, Mike. It's great. Now, NFL preseason is going. We're just weeks away from regular season football, and we've got absolute lunacy. That's right, lunacy. When I saw this headline involving the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, he turned down, Mr. Lombardi, $30 million a year because he wants $40 million a year. And you had said to me before, listen, Jerry Jones will figure out a way to get this done. But seriously, how crazy is it that Dak wants 40 a year? You know what's even crazier is when people say, well, look at Dak's numbers. He's like Carson Wentz. No, time the fuck out, right? Carson <laughs> Wentz was the MVP the year they won the Super Bowl. Okay, let's just put that out. Of, let's just make that very clear, right? Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott is kind of like right now, And maybe if he had Josh McDaniels coaching him, and maybe if he had a real offensive guy coaching him, maybe we would see more. But we're managing Dak Prescott. Like, to me, the thing is, at some point, at some point, you're going to say to yourself as an organization, we're going to have to find find somebody equal to or similar to Dak. Like, we're not paying him $40 million. Like, we can't pay him $40 million. Like, you're not, you play, a, you play a position that's irreplaceable, but you're not irreplaceable. As you had said before, Zeke's the key, or he's the bell guy, he's the guy who ignites his entire offense, and you want to sign him up long term. Clearly, and what you had suggested before was sign Dak short term at big money, meaning two, three year deal, whatever, $30 million a year, and Dak is saying no to that. Is there any other way you can finesse this? Say, listen, fine, we'll give you two years. At 40, is there any way you could talk yourself into it, Mike, that you give him 40 years if it's like for two years just to try to keep them and say, the window's short, let's try to win the Super Bowl in the next two years? You know, I, I just think Jerry's got to figure it out. But with, with the appetite that, that Dak has in terms of, look, I think the number one thing when you do contracts in the NFL is figuring out you'll pay the players that you think help you win. But if you're not, if he's the reason why you're winning, then you pay him, right? But to me, mm-hmm. he's not only the sole reason why you're winning. Look, the Cowboys, when they play 30 minutes or less on defense last year, they're undefeated. They're undefeated. Okay? Now, why is that? That's because Zeke controls some of the third downs. That's because Zeke controls the clock. That's because they get to how to play complementary football. Look, I think Dak's a great player, but we picked Dak in the fourth round. Like, we'll find another guy to come in there and do that. I don't think, to me... 
I think this whole notion of, well, if you don't have Dak, you won't get anybody. No, no. At some point, put the pressure on your personnel department. Put the pressure on the – we're going to find another guy. We can't eat $40 million of our cap into one player who in three years from now, you're going to say, shit, this is horrible, right? This contract sucks. And here's what I wonder. As a guy who's been in front offices, who's been a part of contract negotiations, the rest of it, do you call Dak and go, hey, man, let's go grab lunch? You know, no agents – no, nobody else around. You and me just talk and just say, "Listen, I can't do this. Forty million is insane. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> but I'll give you, but I, but I'll give you thirty. Yeah, it won't be good. Like time is money, right? So either we do a long term deal. If you want to do a long term deal at forty million a year, okay, we'll do a long term deal at forty million a year for ten years, four hundred million dollars. Okay, but we're, we're going to cut your ass in two years. Yeah. We're going to start yeah. off at twenty, and the first two years, the first three years are going to be sixty million, and then the rest is going to be three hundred and forty million. You know, and then if you want to do that, fine. And we'll guarantee, I'll guarantee you 60 million. That's no problem. You want that? No problem. We'll do it. But the reality of it is, is, you know, you can't have it all. You can't have short term and 40 million. You can't have long term and not give me a benefit. Like, where do I win? Like, at some point, where do I eat? You know, like, how do I benefit? You know, and look, Todd France is positioning this because here's the reality of the, of the free agent market when nobody seems, nobody understands. When one guy gets paid, it helps the next guy get paid. It helps the next guy get paid. And this is where you are. But that ladder that people keep climbing, you still have to evaluate the player on that ladder. Just because just because some team paid a player this doesn't mean you have to pay the player this. And you say, well, what are you going to do if you don't have Dak? Well, that's what I get paid for. That's what the GM gets paid for. Like, at some point, like, somebody's got to do their job. No in any negotiation is a pretty good word. Like, no fucking way we're doing this. Like, to me, it's an easy conversation. Like, you know what, Dak? We're not doing it. I don't even think you're that good. You know, like, now, but of course, what the Cowboys do, they get Cooper Rush behind them. Wouldn't you think you're great if you had Cooper Rush playing behind you? Well, and that's the thing. Earlier you said you think Dak's a great player. I don't think so. I think he's a very good quarterback who I think in the right system with a great offensive line and a great running back, Ezekiel Elliott, and a great wide receiver, Amari Cooper, then yeah, then I think he can produce. But I'm with you. I don't think he transcends that. I don't think I can win without him having all those other parts. Therefore, I'm not paying anywhere near $40 million a year. You know what I would do if I were Jerry Jones? I would get yeah. my private plane. I would get the cowboy, the Batmobile, and I would fly it over to London, England, and I would pick up Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> And nice. I would fly Alex back, and I would say, Sir, for, Sir Alec, can you explain to Dak Prescott there are players that have world-class moments and world-class careers? Now, Dak thinks he should be paid for his world-class moment when he hasn't had a world-class career. Can you explain to this young man what it is to be have a world-class player and a world-class career? Let's have right. that conversation. Right. At the highest level of English Premier League soccer, and Sir Alex Ferguson can talk about David Beckham and indulge him and all those great stories. All right, now we get to the headlines. Speaking of, honestly, great entertainment, Hard Knocks and John Gruden. Two episodes in, and uh, my man's been on fire. I mean, whether or not he's... I think probably some of the best moments, Mike, have been for me, him coaching the quarterbacks, and in this case, it's the backups, on the field, because he's like, he's talking to um, Glennon and he's talking to Peterman. And he's like, hey, man, like, be more of a dick. Like, be more of a jerk. Be more like me. Like, you know, get, get feisty out there. Like, come on, a little too nice. Like, get in there. Like, he's trying to coach them on how to be like floor generals and leaders in the in the huddle, I find interesting. The way he's kind of spooked with the media is interesting, smiling and like, hey, I don't know what's happening with AB, guys. Whenever I have information, I promise to let you guys know. Um, and then just his emotion, the way he just gets angry. Like, he just he just flips the switch and starts screaming at guys. John Gruden's honestly, he, he's, he's the Emmy Award winner of Hard Knocks, which is as we thought it would be. Oh, man, he's Hamlet. He's to be or not to be. I mean, he's perfect. I mean, look, he does it better than anybody. I mean, those faces that he makes, he knows the camera's on him, right? Mm-hmm. 
You know, he's really could win an Academy Award for this performance. It's outstanding. <laughs> I mean, it's really good. You know, and, and the thing is, is he's playing it. And I think that the reality of it is, to me, Derek Carr, the more I watch him, the more I'm like less impressed with him as a, as, as a, as a guy you want commanding your franchise. He's talking about proposing to his wife and being nervous. How about yeah, this yeah. commentary he makes? He says, man, I don't get nervous for practice. You know, I played in big games. Big games? What, what big what did you, was the USC UNL uh, Fresno State game in the in the Vegas Bowl? Was that your big game? Because I missed that. Because you sucked in that game, right? Like you were really shitty in that game. Okay, like is that a big game? Are you talking about what big game are you talking about? You played in the year you won ten games that you got hurt in. I mean, like I want to know what big game you played in. Like seriously, tell me. Like to me, the more I watch this, I mean, I know Gruden. I know Gruden better than any human being. I'm trauma shit. Mm-hmm. If the FBI wants to profile Gruden, they're calling me up. Okay, I know him better than anybody. I can read between every single line. Like that receiver that they're talking about, he's getting cut. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's didn't look good. Cut. Like, like he got Gruden's no chance to make it. It's a nice story for HBO. It ain't a nice story for Gruden, right? The, that guy's getting cut. The reality of it is, is the more I watch this, it's like, Carr, you have no juice. Two things jump out at me really clearly. The Raiders, it looks like, I'm not sure they can protect very well. That's A. Mm-hmm. And B... Carr has no nothing to him that you say, I want to rally around. When we were there in Oakland the first time, the reason we won, and it's very clear, it was not John Gruden. It was Rich Gannon. It was Rich Gannon. Now, Gruden could take his personality and give it to Rich, and Rich could be the dick. We practiced next to the Oakland airport. Gannon must have threw 50 passes into the airport, so pissed off. He would MF everybody. John doesn't have that. John's 99 and 93 as an NFL head coach in his career. He doesn't have that ability to do that. And so the problem is he's in, you know, he doesn't have anybody to extol his virtues to. He can't get it. And it's, and, and I think to me, the more I watch Carr, the more I realize that I know they're going to be neighbors in Vegas, but one house is going to be for sale and the other one's going to be lived in. Well, it's interesting about Carr, and I'm not saying every NFL player, Mike, has to be Dick Butkus, but he, he certainly comes across as a little bit soft. And like, as you said, he's not exactly hard-nosed. That, that story about the wife and proposing, I mean, maybe they're putting in there to show like he's likable, but, but I'm with you. I'm not going, all right, this is the guy I'm going to rally around. We're going to win 12 games because of this guy. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I don't get any sense. And then when he's talking about, I've played in big games before. I don't worry about practice. Man, you got the Rams coming to town, right? They're the Super Bowl team, right? And the Rams are coming to town. Wouldn't you say, hey, guys, we got to have to bring our fucking A game today, man. we got, we got to bring it. No, man, I played in big game. Like, it's all this lackadaisical thing. And, look, he was, wor- he was more worried about proposing to his wife than he was about the Rams coming. Does he know fucking Aaron Donald's going to kick his ass? <laughs> like, wouldn't you be worried about Aaron Donald? Huh? Aren't you worried about Aaron Donald coming after you? Or Dante Fowler coming around the edge? Aren't you worried about Colton Miller trying to block at left tackle and he can't handle any power? Like, seriously. Incognito, you could see him running around trying to block people. It's like, to me, it's the biggest joke of all. It's like, at some point, you got to be able to say to yourself, like, Derek, you got to rise the level. There's a level of performance teams have to hit. And if the quarterback isn't trying to get that level up, where are you going? Where are we going with this thing? That whole sequence is great, by the way. When Gruden was like, look at this guy here. Look at Donald. And he's like, look at Goff. Look at McVay. This guy's one of the best offensive minds going. Like, we got to bring our A game, man. we got to step it up here, man. And, 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 there's been and then nothing. his quarterback goes out and talks about how he's not, you know, he's not nervous about. Like, wouldn't you think he would echo that commentary going through? Like, and he right. doesn't do it. Like, that shows you that what Gruden can't do is get his personality into the team. 
I thought it was interesting, the dynamics between McVay and Gruden, too. Yes, I thought I was going to say, that was interesting. When those guys were talking, and you kind of say, oh, this is like the, the mentor and the student, whether or not that's the right case. But you think of a great young offensive mind like McVay, and Gruden's trying to recapture what McVay currently has, right? Yeah, no doubt. And I didn't get the sense that, that, that like, McVay looked like he was there on a mission. Like, he wasn't going, like, he didn't come up and hug Gruden and give love a dovey. Like, he's there to get his shit done. And he deferred to Gruden. The more I watch McVay behave, the more I get impressed with the guy. Like, the guy doesn't let it get to him. His teams practice hard. I know the preseasons, they don't give a shit. And, oh, by the way, how good was Brett Musburger, though? Seriously. Oh, that part was the best part when Gruden goes, this is the reason why all these guys sign with the Raiders, because we got Brett Musburger. Yeah. And then you hear his call. He said, you are listening live. I'm like, this is the best. The last time he was on ESPN Airwaves, I was in studio tossed to the game. It was a college basketball game, and I was with Seth Greenberg and Jay Williams, and they were blabbing about something, and I cut them off. I go, guys, I want to hear it one more time. Here it is, Brett Musburger, the legend. And he says, Adnan, this one's for you, buddy. You are looking live. I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Start getting chills. I'm like, Musburger. And he's like, well, laddie, let's check out the scene at Rupp Arena. Absolute legend. I'm with you on that. Uh, let's get to the most squeamish part, Mike, of Hard Knocks. That was Antonio Brown's feet. I haven't thought about feet this much since Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot. But when Antonio Brown literally looks at the camera and goes, you guys want to see him? And he took his socks off. I mean, I hope you and Millie weren't eating popcorn on the couch. Because like those things, it, it was like, it's like his feet had been burned. Like It was like an extra layer of skin was peeling off, and it was like calloused. I'm like, that. no wonder this guy can't move that well right yeah, now. Like, that was, why that was isn't he getting a pedicure? Like, how about a pedicure? I mean, seriously, like, and you know, to me, when I looked at it, I, I obviously it must bother him because he's a tough kid. But the thing I find interesting about the Antonio Brown situation is the trainer is handling yeah. Antonio Brown. Now, the Raiders have the greatest trainer of all time, Rod Martin. H. Rod Martin is the greatest trainer of all time. He's the, one of the best I've ever worked with in my life. He's incredible. And he's good on the players. He's demanding to the players. He's really good. The rea- and so when John and him are having that interaction – like, John's trying to get information from H-Rod through Antonio Brown's trainer. Like, this, we're not basketball, fellas. Like, that ain't what we do, right? We're not basketball. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but, like, you can't, you can't have your own trainer. Like, you can't have your own trainer. You know, Brady has his own guy that stretches him, but when he needs something medically, he goes to the training room. And then, but that divides the team. It really does. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, especially he was telling AB, like those first clips, he was like, I know you want to air it out yet, but here's your time, here's this. It it makes a position which already feels like a prima donna, the stereotype of the wide receiver, it makes him look even more isolated, right? Even more a part of the team. It's just me and this guy one-on-one rather than dealing with the other 53. Yeah, it's like another headache you got to manage, right? You got to manage this guy who's telling Antonio what he needs to do for his conditioning. Meanwhile, I got 89 other guys I'm trying to coach on the conditioning. Like, seriously... Like, that's a problem. And, you, you know, that just – and then he's going to tell Antonio when he can go, when he can't go, when he needs a break, when he doesn't. Like, how do you manage that? Like, I know John's said all the right things for the camera. When I'm, we, we, got a, we got an ex here that can fly or, you know, I get he's a great player. But the headache that comes with being a great player is a freaking headache. Well, speaking of headaches, he, of course, filed a grievance over the helmet – uh, and this was the tweet he said. He said he filed the grievance in the league. He loses it. He says he wants to wear a certain helmet. They said no. He says, if anybody can get me a Schutt Air Advantage adult large helmet manufactured in 2010 or after, I will trade you a signed practice-worn Raiders helmet. 
mean, this is what it's come down to here. The guy's concerned about a helmet more than his feet. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's you got to think there's some psychiatrist somewhere reading this and saying and diagnosing Antonio Brown from afar. Like this is narcissism at the highest level, right? I mean, you can't get any more narcissistic than this, right? This is like this is like, and then how about the tweet that I thought that was fascinating was, if I quit, will y'all still love me? Like, seriously. Uh, was that the most disgusting tweet you ever saw in your that's life? A good, that's a good country music lyric, Mike. If, if I lost my dog in my truck, would you still yeah. love me? I mean, give me a break. Like, no, bro. Those Raider fans want you to play, and they want you to play good. I, I, I don't know. Now, you know, people go watch their practices and say they're much improved, they're faster, all that. I get it. I'll tell you what I have seen in the print is the fourth pick overall in the draft, Farrell. I, I haven't seen him do anything yet. Like, when they watched all those one-on-ones, like, he wasn't beating anybody one-on-one. You know, I mean, I know the kid's a good kid. He'll work hard, all that stuff. But the reality of you got the fourth pick in the draft and barring Gruden's line, I need some juice. Like, you got to get – like, he ain't Khalil Mack when you're watching him, right? Like, we're seeing him, and they showed clips of him. And I and every guy who's been in the NFL is evaluating those clips, and they're all saying, not no power. Not enough speed to get around the edge. Can't go inside. Like that's what they're like. That's the about you writing that down. Right. No speed to get the edge. Can't power the left tackle and can't go inside. He's too small. And that's the fourth pick of the draft. Like I, that's the one thing I got from watching Hard Knocks last week, yesterday was you got to think about now the kid who plays safety Abraham all that stuff. That's great. But we're gonna find out when people put the H out and he's got to cover a running back. What he does, you know, that's all that. All this bullshit about like I want to hit somebody. That's great for TV. But the reality of it is, this is how you play in space is really what matters. Yeah, Cleveland Furl. I mean, listen, it, this is not Clemson anymore. These are not ACC offensive lines you're going up against. And one last thought on Hard Knocks. Speaking of Clemson, Hunter Renfro. How about the scene where he's singing karaoke? And as you said, Gruden always knows the camera's there. He keeps giving that smirk the whole time. Yeah. The players are going crazy, and Gruden's just smirking away in the corner. And I thought Hunter Renfro brought Dabo Sweeney into it when he said, hey, man, I'm just competing against myself every day. That's the guy I compete against. Like, that's the Clemson motto. Like, you got to love Hunter Renfro for that. Yeah. But, I mean, like, they all know the camera's on them. Like, at some point, like, you, you know, like, I, I, I'll say this. I, I, I watched Gruden when, he, when I was there with him. He's a different Gruden now. He's a different Gruden. It's a different Gruden in terms of his overall intensity. His o I mean, there's still flashes of it. But I, it's not the same guy. It's going to be really interesting, AD, to see how this all – I mean, you got 10 years, 10 years, $100 million, how this all works out. And he is definitely going to sell that us versus them, right? He's going to say, listen, every, you heard him say it. He was like, listen, no one's expecting anything from us this year. And I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why. But we'll see. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In terms of other concerning news, Andrew Luck, oh no, a high ankle problem. Originally, they thought he'd be ready, Mike, for September 8th, which is the opener for the Colts. Now they're unsure. Originally, they thought it was a calf strain, which you go, okay, that can be dealt with. But high ankle, all of a sudden, if it's a high ankle sprain, all this is a high ankle problem, I want to clarify. But if it's high ankle sprain, that can get a little more dicey. This is a guy who had a great comeback here, MVP conversation. I mean, how concerning is this if you're a Colts fan? I, I think it just got raised another level because here's why. High ankles... There's some kind of some fracture might there could be a fracture in there. And when you get those kind of things in your feet, like you know, that's a hard thing to manage. And then you got to plant what people don't realize why do baseball pitchers run in the outfield? Because they know they need power in the lower body. And when your ankles bothering you like that and you can't drive the football, it's problematic. Now, you know, they haven't really overreacted to the quarterback. They haven't gone out. and Because, look, let's face it, week one in the NFL was about the backup quarterback. Like, what team had a good backup quarterback look better? Like, the Patriots had two of them. They look good. The, the Lions, we've talked about this on GM Shuffle forever. They, had no, they found out that Tom Savage isn't any good. Isn't that a shock? We've been saying it on the GM Shuffle for months, and they finally figured it out. And we're not even watching their practices. So, I, I think, you know – Indianapolis hasn't reacted to it yet. So for me, I don't want to say it's not an issue, but I think it's not where maybe it could bother him in September, but I don't know if it's, you know, how far it's going to go. All right. Like you said, concern level raised on a level, but we're not quite at DEFCON 5 yet. Uh, How about this? Carson Wentz talking about the preseason and says, he doesn't have to play at all in the preseason because now this is a thought from Doug Peterson, which is that obviously this guy's our franchise quarterback. He's coming off a major injury. Maybe we don't play him at all. And he said, I feel good either way. Now, I totally get it from the Eagles' perspective, Mike, if you say I don't want to use this guy at all. But then I say as an Eagles fan, well, what the hell is the point of the preseason anyways then? Like if, if you're not going to is – it, is it simply – to battle roster spots and determine, like, who's my backup interior D lineman, and then that's fine. But I, I get awfully annoyed as a fan, then I go, well, why the hell am I watching any of the preseason if I don't get to watch Carson Wentz at all? How do you manage that? Yeah, I think it's a hard one. I, I mean, Sean McVay's pulling it off out in Los Angeles. He's not playing any of his guys, and he does it. It's all about the practices, right? Because of the way the collective bar this is related to the collective bargaining agreement, because we can't practice the way we want to practice, and so they're holding people back. And the reps you're getting is in these games really aren't great reps, let's be honest. I mean, I, I, I think this. I think you got to play football to get ready for football. That's just me. I'm old school like that. Tom Brady's going to play. In the, if Tom Brady plays in the preseason, maybe Carson Wentz should play in the preseason. I think you got to get your timing going, right? you got to get the feel for the game. you got to feel the – you know, you could see it. I mean, look – 
Gruden's got Nate Peterman and Mike Glennon on his team, two ve- two guys who've been in the league, and they and the pace of the game in the preseason was was too much for them. I mean, Glennon throws two shitty interceptions. Uh, Peterman's running around like I mean, could you imagine telling your team Peterman's going to be our backup quarterback? <laughs> seriously, you know Nathan's going to start this week. I love you, Nathan. Like, come on, seriously, come on. Yeah. You can't find two more uninspiring names right now than Mike Glennon. And Nate yeah, like Peterman. there's two guys who are the most milk toast players I've ever seen in my life, and they want you to lead the team. Like, get some juice. Back. So, like, I get where Wentz is coming from. I'm not sure it's the right thing, but it, it's been working for teams. But I think, look, what has to happen is you got to get certain work. You know, preseason games are like sparring matches for boxers you got to box a certain amount of rounds, especially in the offensive line. I mean, Mike Zimmer does it. I mean, you'll see teams uh, – John Harbaugh does it. Teams are doing it. To me, as an investor, if you're betting any of these games in the preseason, you're, you're betting coaches, not teams, because there's some coaches that really want to win the preseason. Harbaugh, Zimmer, that they want it. They want, they'll play it, whereas some guys like McVay – no, I mean – my man, the Clapper, he's 0-5 in the last five preseason games. Like, seriously, he's 0-5. Now, he might get one this week because Sean McVay could care less about the game than he does. Yeah, that's true. The Clapper, one of your best nicknames ever, by the way. Uh, John Mara says it'll be ideal if Eli Manning starts all 16 games. Daniel Jones doesn't see the field. That's like saying, Mike, it's ideal if I could run a four-minute mile. It's ideal if uh, we could uh, have a Sopranos prequel that's as good as the actual show. Like, we don't live in an idealized world, okay? There's there's no way Eli Manning's going to play 16 games. I don't even know if that is ideal for the Giants because there's they're not going to be that good anyways. What's ideal is that he gets going sooner rather than later, and Daniel Jones gets some reps and starts to play and proves that he's actually a good pick, which I don't think he's going to be. I, I laughed when I saw that Mara quote. Ideal if Eli plays 16? Come on. It's unbelievable. Are they living in a dream world in New York? Seriously. Oh. I mean, they, they're, they're, watching it, they're watching a completely different game than we're all watching. I mean, they're even talking about extending Eli's. Like, what game are they watching? <laughs> like, seriously, the guy's 2-14 and 14 over the first eight games the last two years. And he's 8-23 and 23 in the last two seasons or something like that. I mean, like, if he's your franchise quarterback, how are you this bad? And people say, well, it's not, you know, he's only the quarterback. No, I mean, like, shitty teams have great quarterbacks win, right? I mean, that's why Dak Prescott thinks he wants $40 million because he thinks he's the reason why the Cowboys are winning. I mean, so, I mean, the Giants never cease to amaze me of their inability to really realize who they are. They just really never cease to amaze me. Yeah, it's ridiculous how bad that Giants team really is, and you're right. They're kind of living in their own world. Uh, a couple more here for you, Mike, before we get to our question from the GM Shuffle mailbag. The NFL teaming with Jay-Z on entertainment and social activism. The league not only will use Jay-Z's Rock Nation to consult on its entertainment presentations, including the Super Bowl halftime show, but will work with the rapper and entrepreneur's company to strengthen community through music and the NFL's Inspire Change Initiative. This was created by the league after an agreement with a coalition of players who demonstrated during the national anthem to protest social and racial injustice in this country. Those demonstrations were sparked by former 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem in 2016. What do you make of this? This is a good move here by the league and the players to try to get on the same page? Yeah, I, I mean, it's probably one of the best things they've done in a while, right? I mean, let somebody else handle the entertainment. Like, really, seriously, that would be like saying to me, Lombardi, you handle the entertainment. I don't know enough about entertainment. I know, I'll, okay, play Springsteen or Billy Joel. That's about, you know, and you say, well, you're just some fat old white guy, you know? Like, right. seriously, like, that doesn't apply. Uh, you know, I, I mean, look, you got to think it's a smart move because, look, they got to grow, keep growing this game. I mean, that's the one thing they got to find a way to do is continue to grow the game and by connecting 
people into those areas, they'll keep growing the game. I think it's really one of the smarter things they've done. And last one here, I don't know if it's smart or it's silly, but the school formerly known as The Ohio State University seeking a trademark on the word The for use on clothing and hats. According to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the filing was made on Thursday. University spokesman Chris Davey confirmed the school had made a trademark submission. It was necessary to protect the brand. So we're going to start calling this the GM shuffle. Do you have to patent that as well? Yeah, I think we should. Well, this is really Al Davis is pissed off about this because he wanted everybody to call it the Oakland Raiders. Mm -hmm. He thought the was like symbolic of prestige, the president of the United States. The Oakland Raiders, the Ohio State. I mean, you got to love it. You got to love what they're trying to accomplish here. Like, you know, but I mean, I get the the GM shuffle. We should do that, AD. We, that's what yeah. we need to do. That's right. Good. The we'll get Sopranos, right? The. Now, hey, speaking of the Sopranos, they say that Gandolfini's son is remarkable. Yeah, he's going to be in this prequel for the Sopranos movie, which is currently a shooting. And you're right. If you can't bring back Jim, uh, bring his son and apparently dead ringer for his dad I honestly and they say he's amazing which shouldn't be surprising I guess acting's in the bloodlines but man it's going to be amazing to see that guy yeah see his son at least I'm looking forward to I mean that how good can it be I mean you get a young Paulie can you imagine what young Paulie must be like <laughs> Huh? He already has like the white hair on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, you probably had it at birth, right? <laughs> he had to have it at birth. Way. Well, speaking of the, that reminds me. There's remember the one episode Jackie Junior is playing Scrabble with Meadow, and the only words that he can spell are ass, poo, and the. Like that's yeah. that's how bad the guys are dumb the guy. <laughs> and she was doing his homework. Was there ever like my my favorite Uncle Junior line of all time? The dumb fuck almost died in three inches of water. <laughs> Remember when he's Uncle Junior's sitting there at the they're at the Vesuvio in the in, for his wake and and Tony comes up to him and says uh, how you doing uh, good gravy today and he's dipping the bread into the tomato sauce you know good gravy today that dumb fuck almost died three inches of water <laughs> he was always a dumb fuck I mean, I mean at the at the wake is that classic oh, other thing I want to touch on before we go is Javion Clowney contract yes. now mm -hmm. they're trying so hard to trade this guy like they'll do. I know he's a franchise. You can't extend his contract, but they're willing to take 40 cents on a dollar to get him out of there. And then the Trent Williams one, my yeah. man Trent Williams, right? Trent Williams, and then people say, are the Patriots going to trade for Trent Williams? Let me ask you something. You're a smart guy. When has Bill Belichick ever given up a high asset for a player and then compensated the player on a high asset? Trades Randy Moss for a fourth, reduces Randy Moss's contract when he gets him. Okay, yeah. So he gets him for a reduced rate, and then reduces his deal. Trades a one for Brandon Cooks and doesn't touch the contract. Like at some point, when do people realize like past performance is how people behave? Like they're not trading for Trent Williams. They're not going to give Trent Williams twenty million dollars a year and give up a one. That's not who they are. Like at some point, like I, you know, these these people on TV, they talk about all well, the Patriots be the perfect landing spot. Do they understand anything about football? Like he's never doing that. Right. Like he's never doing that. That's not who he is. Like it's never been in his behavior. That would be like for him all of a sudden wearing a Versace suit on the sideline. Like come on, seriously, <laughs> come on. So you think he's going to do that? I, I saw you tweeting about the clowning situation, by the way, which is crazy. Think of just how. High his stock was, Mike, coming out of college, and you go, oh, my God, this guy's an absolute wrecker. He is going to terrorize opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks for a decade. And now, as you said, you can't even get 40 cents on the dollar on this guy. That's amazing to me. Yeah, it is. You know, Clowney was one of those guys 
that, you know, I think he's really underachieved. He's not been durable. He hasn't been able to stay on the field all the time. And, yeah, does he have great talent? No doubt he has great talent. But, you know, it's classic. He's been spoiled his whole life. And he doesn't play the game with the great passion that, like people say, is he Lawrence Taylor? He's not. Lawrence Taylor would have played the game in a parking lot. Are you kidding me? You know, this guy, like Lawrence Taylor had passion for football. This guy... I don't get the sense he has passion for football. Now, to me, Trent Williams, I think Trent Williams is one of the best left tackles in football if he could stay healthy. He hates the general manager. Like anybody who makes anything about – like he don't want to play for the Redskins, no way, no how. I mean, and I think he'll sit out the season. Melvin Gordon, I don't – like Melvin, is, is there a less – impactful holdout than Melvin Gordon. Seriously. Right. It's like the system makes you. If you're not here, okay, moving on. We're moving on. Like, next one. Like, that would be like, you know, I don't show up to work. Okay, that's fine. No problem. Like, at some point, you got to know who the hell you are, right? Like, know who you are. Like, you, and you're going to get paid a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But you got to know who you are. Right. You know? And unfortunately, some people just don't know who they are. All right. We close with this. Uh, you can send us your questions by emailing us at thegmshuffle at gmail.com. Uh, this is from Rueri, who says, Hey, Mike, longtime listener. Uh, love the new pod. Love the book. I'm looking to seriously pursue a career in football. I love the game. One thing I've noticed is most coaches and front office guys are former players, at least at the college level. I've only ever played in high school, but I know the game, what to be a student of it, and I'm a relentless worker. Should I offer whoever I can my services as an intern? Should I acquire a degree in something specific? How can I get my foot in the door, scouting, coaching, or administration? Best wishes to you and Millie. This is from Ruari. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, look, the only thing you can do is is volunteer yourself and learn as much about football as you possibly can. There's a lot of guys that, that played football that don't know football. There's a lot of guys that didn't play football that know a ton of football. And just because you didn't play in college doesn't mean you're a, you can't be a great coach. Like, it's the same thing. You just got to study the game. Look, the one thing I've learned in my career, players only respect knowledge. If you make me better, I'll listen to you. If you can't make me better, I won't listen to you. That's how programs develop. I mean, if, if you can capture some kid's attention with your knowledge, you can be 18 years old or you could be 80. It, and nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with, with age, race, anything. It's all about your knowledge. And as coaches, and that's why on The Daily Coach, that's what we try to write about every day is like trying to make coaches better by doing things that I think is really important and understanding sometimes you can get – like you can get a real perception of people. Like this one, one of my favorite stories of all time is this town of, uh, of Paramount, California. They had a bank in downtown Paramount, California, and the bank was was robbed repeatedly, repeatedly, and it was the number one bank robbed in all of the United States on the FBI's most robbed bank list. Wow. So okay, so naturally, what do you do? You typically you do what most people do. You throw money at problems, right? You throw money at it. So you hire more security guards. You put more security cameras in there. You do more things, right? Great. What happens after they did all that? The number one most robbed bank in America. Okay. <laughs> it stayed that way. So one day they hire a kid like this young man who, who sends this email in. They hire him. And he's walking around the office and he says, and they're talking about how they're going to solve being robbed. And he says, you know, I live right near the police yard. They got a bunch of abandoned cars down there. Why don't we get one of those cars Put it right in front of the parking lot. We'll clean it up. We'll polish it. We'll make it look like it's it's real. And by having a right, we'll park it right in front of the bank. You know what happened? No more robberies. Boom! Just like that. Done. That's what people that sometimes, if you're not always involved, you, you can see things from different ways and it makes you so much better. And I think that this whole notion is if you didn't play college or pro, 
Well, sometimes people that didn't might see things in a little different way, just like the this young man at Paramount's Bank in California. Like, just park a police car right out in front. Duh. Like, it's so obvious, but nobody could figure it out, right? Yeah, that's great, man. I love, I love that idea of that. Just because you didn't play doesn't mean you can't offer something of value. The next time we talk in the GM Shuffle, Mike and I are going to discuss Blinded by the Light, this film about a Pakistani guy in England who loves Springsteen. Love the movie is opening in theaters this weekend. So make some time, Mike. Make sure you go see I'm it this going. weekend, all right? I, whether Millie, I've invited Millie. She's got an open invitation. I haven't gone to the printers to print out the invitation yet, but there's. I'm going. Okay. We're going to go. Uh, we're definitely going to go. I can't wait. We're going to talk about Blinded by the Light, lots of football. In the words of Brent Musburger, you have been listening live to the GM Shuffle. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs>